Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, we are talking with political journalist Daniel Lippman. Daniel works for Politico covering the White House and administration. He was previously co-author of Politico's Playbook and still writes Playbook's Great Weekend Reads on Saturdays and Sundays and the social data section of Politico New York Playbook. Before joining Politico, he was a fellow covering environmental news for E&E Publishing and a reporter for The Wall Street Journal. Hello, Daniel. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you today. I would love to know more about how you got into journalism. So I guess I had a pretty uh, circuitous uh, route. I, in high school and college, I was very interested in the news and so would read lots of articles. And so uh, actually started noticing typos and errors in stories. And so that Uh, led me to email a bunch of reporters uh, at a number of top publications, uh, pointing them out. Uh, And (laughs) so that was, that was pretty funny. Um, And so I got, I did that thousands of times during high school and college. And that led me to uh, meet a lot of uh, these journalists, helped me get connections and internships. I know you had nine internships and temporary journalism jobs right before landing at Politico. What was the most exciting and what did you learn along the way? Well, I think the most exciting one one that I really liked the best was at McClatchy Newspapers, which is the country's third largest newspaper chain. Uh They own, you know, places like the Sacramento Bee and the Miami Herald. And uh, that was during a summer in college. And I, what I liked about that is I really got to dig deep uh, on investigative uh, articles and feature stories. And so I, you know, wrote a ton during that summer. So even, you know, from pieces about uh, repression of Muslims in uh, Bahrain to the unemployment, the mental health effects of long-term unemployment, it kind of spanned the, yeah. the gamut and that it made me a better writer and reporter and helped me uh, land future jobs because I had all of those clips that are really important in journalism. I'm sure. For those who aren't super familiar with Politico, you know, tell us a little bit about Politico's focus and what makes it different than other media outlets in Washington who cover politics. So Politico is about 14 years old, and it really started as the first outlet to just focus on the decision makers in Washington. So the chiefs of staff on the Hill, the senior White House officials, the cabinet members, uh, and also people who care about these issues for a living, like lobbyists and government affairs and communications folks, uh, and really provide behind the scenes coverage of what's really going down uh, in the halls of power. So in both Congress and the White House and the executive branch. Uh, And we kind of distinguish ourselves by being a little bit more fun than the rest of the uh, the competition. And, and so I think we prioritize speed and also scoops and uh, initially, and we've kept true to that. And so it's basically insider journalism, but you don't have to be an insider to read it and appreciate it because we have tons of readers all around the country and the world who like kind of reading what the 
the powerful and the politically connected uh, and influential are reading uh, right. because obviously they're not it's not just you know wire service copy in terms of this happened today it's really breaking down why it happened and also breaking news uh, and writing long pieces uh, as well since we really prioritize features uh, too yeah so for Politico, you cover the White House and its administration, and you've been on that beat since around July 2018, right? Yep. What is your typical day like for you? Well, a typical day is, it before COVID, it was a lot of source coffees and drinks and dinners, and I'm still doing a bunch of those, but it you know has quieted a little bit. And so a typical yeah. day is me being on the phone a lot, talking to sources and getting kind of a lowdown on what's uh, going on. And, and once I get tips, then I check with my editor to see if we're interested. Um, and so it's, you know, you have to kind of do the drudgery as well in terms of transcribing interviews uh, and getting those exact quotes right. And then, you know, copy editing your own stories, uh, even though we have editors and copy editors, but you, you know, it's always important to get as many eyes on a story uh, as possible. And it's also monitoring the news and, uh, you know, once sources reach out, being responsive uh, to them. Uh, a lot of people, you know, want to get mentioned in Politico and very, our various newsletters. Yeah. Um, and so it's sometimes source maintenance. Sure. You, know, you mentioned sources and I'm sure finding trusted sources is a big part of your job. How have you networked to create those sources once you got on that beat? Uh, I think it's a matter of meeting the right people, but also just establishing trust where it, they know mm-hmm. that you're not going to burn them, that they can come to you if they have a scoop or uh, a story that they want you to consider writing. And it's just staying in touch with them. And you know, I'm often sending links to uh, folks in Washington, uh, people I, I know and I'm friends with, and so you, you don't want to get too close to your sources because you don't want to get biased, but right. also you have to get familiar with them enough that you're not just a stranger. And because I think the, the strength of one's Rolodex as reporters, one of the most important things, that's what I tell all journalism students is uh, it's journalism is not for the both faint of heart because you're going to be having battles with people frequently in terms of if you're doing your job right in, uh, in terms of holding power accountable, people are not going to be happy sometimes, obviously. And, right. and so that is you know, being, being calm and collected, not losing your temper. Um, that is, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, journal, that, that's very important. And so uh, I'm very, you know, I'm a pretty calm person, but uh, if I didn't like conflict, then I, probably would not be in journalism because it you know you know that you know the term bleeds it leads and that kind of right. that is not just about violence and covering, right. covering crime <laughs> right. that actual blood always right yes emotional blood sometimes <laughs> right you know how do you I know fact checking and facts are a huge part you know probably number one of what you do how do you when you have these sources and some of them not being able to be identified and that sort of thing how do you make sure you have the facts straight so it's a matter of making sure that you have 
source confirmation. And so if someone's telling you something, unless they're, you know, with the White House, and even if they're with like a White House press office, then you have to really check it out and get two sources and to go mm-hmm. to anyone involved and get comment and run stuff by other people uh, in if they have an equity in the issue. And so that is, you know, trying to see who would know uh, about a certain issue. And so, uh, because if you, if you get something wrong, you, you don't want to have to retract it or you, you actually, you would have to retract it, but you don't want to. And I've right, never had right. to retract anything. I've had corrections because of obviously you know, sometimes you spell someone's name wrong, you go to, you got a slight small fact wrong. Um, but I don't think journalism really tolerates people who get stuff repeatedly wrong because then if you can't even get the little things right, then what about the big things? Right. What have been some of your most memorable scoops or stories since you've been with Politico? I think that's a good question. You know, a couple of years ago, I did a Politico magazine story about how the young Trump officials were having trouble dating. And so that kind <laughs> of got a lot of people had shot in Freuder there because they were, you know, kind of viewing it as just desserts where, uh, you know, couldn't happen to a better group of people. And so um, <laughs> that kind of, and that was also about how lots of people had moved to a neighborhood in DC called Navy Yard, people who worked in the Trump administration. Okay. Uh, and so that got um, a good deal of attention. I did, uh, you know, I'm pretty proud of a piece I did last summer about, uh, we interviewed all the, uh, yeah, a lot of ancestors or descendants of Civil War Confederate generals whose names are, you know, who, who, who's base, you know, a lot of their names are on these army bases uh-huh. and, trying to get, and trying to get their thoughts uh, on, uh, whether they should be taken down and what they think about their family history. And so that, you know, I'm pretty proud of that piece that that turned out uh, pretty well. But it's a lot of these like more incremental stories where um, I did stories last year about how the White House, the Trump White House had hired all these college students to uh, be staffers. And that was a pretty, uh, you know, fun series because it's kind of reminded me of, of Veep. Yeah. So as you mentioned earlier, you were previously the co-author of Politico's playbook. What were some of your favorite or craziest spottings that you wrote about? Well, it was really fun to write a playbook because you get to kind of have as part of your job to be out on the town and trying to see people. Uh And so a lot of the spotted were of Trump folks at the Trump Hotel or, you know, cabinet secretaries like Steven Mnuchin at uh, Cafe Milano. We, uh, you know, I used to, when I, when I did that newsletter, I used to do what my friend Ben Schreckinger called the Lippman Loop, where I would, <laughs> if I was at a fancy restaurant, I would walk around the entire restaurant to see if there's any senators or, okay. or congressmen <laughs> there. And so, uh, but we've had spotted of people, uh, you know, on a million different planes, uh, on, you know, Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket. Uh, and so we have, kind of, when you have like, you know, it's like 250,000 readers, yeah. uh, there is a, a lot of those people want to be your sources too. And they are often seen, uh, folks. I remember AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, mm-hmm. she shops at this Whole Foods and Navy Yard. Uh, and so people have spotted her there. And so 
it's kind of hard to remember five years of Spotted's and to distill <laughs> right. them into the best ones. But those are some ones that I think it kind of adds a lighter touch and lighter side of politics. Yes, yes, which we all need sometimes, you know? Totally. And much of what you write is for a digital audience, but I know you've also been interviewed on CNN, MSNBC, BBC. Is broadcast something you like to do? Yeah, I think it's it's a way to get your journalism out there and frankly to build your personal brand a little bit. And so I've had friends from college who see me on the BBC in India and wow. you know, CNN around the world. And so it's, um, you know, I've gotten better at those interviews and, and it's fun for my parents and friends to uh, tune in and to see uh, me on TV. And so, you know, when you're writing a story, it's obviously you see the tweets about it and uh, but it's it's cool to be in different mediums and you know these places like seen on msnbc they have you know hundreds of thousands of viewers and so uh that uh, you know it's always fun to go into the studio and to get makeup on <laughs> and to right. uh, kind of enjoy uh, that part but of course the most important thing is giving people and viewers and readers information they need to so that they can be as informed citizens as they as possible and to really uh, you know you're kind of one of the beacons of democracy because without journalism then politicians could get away with uh, lots of things yes we've seen that we see that in countries across the world <laughs> totally what's your, it's, it's what's if your you look at afghanistan then you know they're they're beating up journalists right now and uh, yes. whipping them oh. and so you know so far if that you know i'm just very lucky to live in a country with the first amendment where uh, you know the worst that could happen is someone sues you and but we have pretty tough laws on that um but i've never felt in danger you know you get the stray mean comments on twitter or email or you know my yeah. cell phone which is on my twitter bio and so people can reach out but it's nothing compared to people in uh, unfree in uh, countries and dictatorships. Yes. As you said, journalism sustains our democracy. Um, you know, how has what some are calling the attack on journalists affected your work or has it? It hasn't really affected it that much. We've actually, you know, a lot of mainstream news outlets have gotten surges of readers and subscribers. And so I think it's, you know, Politico is, you know, we're lucky to be a place where, uh, you know, we're trusted across the political spectrum, both by conservatives and liberals and mm -hmm. people who are more moderates and independents. And so that is, um, you know, I'm pretty fortunate that we're not identified in, as, you know, one uh, is in the camp of one or the other. And so um, I haven't, you know, obviously it was not good that Trump was calling the press the enemy of the people, but it didn't really have a an effect on my daily life. I just, you know, you okay. continue to just do the job, enjoy your, your life and not worry too much about the attacks. Yeah. What's your favorite part of working at Politico? I guess my favorite part is that I get to write about a wide variety of topics. And so one day I'm writing about firings in the White House or in the administration or new people they're hiring. And then the next it's looking at Amazon or, or the power of tech or the Defense Department and the Afghanistan withdrawal. And so it kind of gives me the opportunity to learn about lots of different subjects and to pass along that knowledge to readers. Yeah. 
Going back to sources really quickly, I'm sure a good number of them are probably PR professionals. How do sources and PR professionals in general, what can they do to help you do your job? Well, I think it's, you know, everyone has a, a job to do. And so uh, obviously they uh, will want to get uh, their clients to get mentioned in different outlets. I think it's kind of knowing your audience. So, you know, since I'm a cover reporter covering the White House in Washington, it's I'm not going to write about random topics in Texas or Nebraska uh, sure. because it's just not my beat. And so there's outlets that will cover, uh, you know, tons of different things. Um, and I think it's, you know, being, uh, you know, friendly is important for PR people. Uh, I think a lot of them are. And so uh, you kind of have to be in, in the job, but also, right. you know, providing context of senior executives and setting up conversations or coffees with them. And also, uh, you know, providing good tips, which could be a scoop or a story that, uh, that, journalist bosses or editors would be interested in in running that's i think that's important too as well yeah good advice before we go i have to ask about some freelance work you did around eight years ago as a freelancer in 2013 you traveled to the turkish syrian border to cover the impact of the syrian civil war for huffington post and cnn how did that come about and we'd love to hear about your experience with that work yeah so that came about because i frankly was unemployed and needed something to do. And so I was freelancing, but not writing every day. And so I read about a city called Antakya in Turkey, uh, okay. which is a, a city on the border and uh, felt like, you know, I've always wanted to do foreign correspondence and, you know, conflict reporting and, uh, and thought that I could actually make a go of it, at least for the week that I was there. And so I just kind of uh, flew to Europe. It was only a $150 ticket from London to Istanbul. Wow. To, took another flight to the border area, um, hired a translator, interviewed, um, you know, did three different stories for those outlets. Uh, so one on, you know, Syrian refugees, the other on injured civilians, the other on a uh, Syrian rebel leader. And so you, uh, you know, you kind of realize you feel lucky to be an American, but also, uh, you know, some of the fights about the debt ceiling and all, all of that were, they, they seem very unimportant when you have, uh, when yes. you're kind of uh, covering history. Uh, and so then I uh, went to, uh, I didn't write the stories in Turkey. I kind of took notes and rec you know, recordings. And then I uh, spent a week at a hotel uh, in Madrid. My girlfriend at the time was studying abroad in Spain. And so I just hung out with her and then mm -hmm. wrote up the stories during the day. And so um, that was, you know, I'll never forget that time. That was, that was pretty fun. But Is also, you know, it's such serious and you don't want to minimize or, uh, you know, make light of it. But it is exciting and interesting uh, to you know, a, a 20 something uh, in those, in that area. Yeah. Is it something you want to do more of? I think at the, you know, the right opportunity, I, I'd love to do it again. So um, I think I would be probably doing it for whatever outlet that I was working for at the time, instead of being a freelancer, but there's, 
or is unfortunately not going to be with us for a while. And so, um, you know, there's conflicts going on every day, even if they're, they're smaller ones, not, not the higher profile ones that, uh, have transpired in the last 20 years. Yeah. Well, what's next for you? Well, I really like my job and, you know, I'm sticking with Politico and, uh, you know, we've had some, you know, our CEO leave or editor in, in chief and executive editor, but it's, uh, you know, it's a very strong place. We just got bought by, or we're in the process of getting bought by a German media company, Global One called Axel Springer. And so I'm interested mm-hmm. to see um, how uh, they handle things, but it's, you know, I kind of feel very blessed that I'm in a place that really encourages original reporting and, you know, career development. And so uh, no plans, I have no plans to uh, leave anytime soon. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. You can find Daniel on Twitter at D Lipman, L-I-P-P-M-A-N, and follow his work at politico.com. We'll include information on how to contact Daniel with tips in our show notes. That's all for this episode of Media in Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.